episode 9 of the Legacy Video Lounge. I'm your host, Steve Pender. I'm a personal historian and video biographer and president of Family Legacy Video Incorporated in Tucson, Arizona. You can visit Family Legacy Video on the web at familylegacyvideo.com. In this segment, you'll get to listen in as I chat with two Ace Family Legacy Video crew members as we drive from Arizona to California for a Legacy Video shoot. We'll get started right after this. Ah, the wine of the table saw, the sweet smell of that sawdust, and the tap of a hammer on the nail. My dad's a woodworking ace. Now his grandkids will learn their grandpa's more than just a guy who built our dining room table. Thanks to Family Legacy Video... Now you can share your life stories and a custom legacy video your family will cherish. To learn more, visit FamilyLegacyVideo.com or call 520-743-4090. That's 520-743-4090. FamilyLegacyVideo.com. Family Legacy Video is headquartered in Tucson, Arizona, but we serve clients all across the United States. Now, sometimes that means hopping on a plane, but there are other times when it makes more sense to just load up the van with our gear and drive, like I did recently with cameraman and lighting director Dan Crapsey and sound technician Chris Hall. Both Dan and Chris have decades of video and audio experience working on commercial, news, corporate, and legacy video projects. During a recent drive from Arizona to Santa Monica, California, I thought it would be fun to pull out some microphones and a digital audio recorder and ask Dan and Chris to share some of their insights and expertise with you. Now, we are in a moving van, so there will be road noise, but I hope you enjoy our conversation. So Dan, let's, let's, let's start with you. Uh, common mistakes maybe that, that you would see uh, uh, non-professionals make with, with camera work in terms of uh, maybe where they place a camera for an interview or something in terms of uh, maybe lighting that they, people tend to get wrong quite a bit. What, what are some of the do's and don'ts you would see in terms of, of, of camera placement, say, for an interview and lighting? Um, uh, well, I would say... Um one of the first basic things is to use a tripod. That alone makes a huge difference if you're, you know, give a nice steady shot, um, makes a big difference. Um, and then the framing, how you frame the picture um, is important. So what would, be, like, what would be, let's say with framing, what right. would be a, a, like a common mistake that someone too much would he, Too much headroom. Or not having what you know, look room, looking room, a little, you know, putting the person smack dab in the middle of the frame, you know. So you want to have them off to the side a little bit. Um, typically, they're interviews, so the subject is looking at the person that's asking the questions. So that would be the side. The side that they're looking at would be uh, a little more generous than the the back of their head. So the looking room is called look room. Um, so, you know, that would be one thing. I mean, really, just watching TV and kind of getting a feel for how professionals do it, how it's done on television, is kind of a good starting point. I think especially with YouTube and people having cell phones and, um, you know, really good cameras at, available to them, it's... It's not as mysterious as it used to be. I think people kind of get that that basic stuff, but I still see some of those mistakes. You know, 
tons of headroom or the person in the center of the frame and not really, you know, it's a little, um, it's not a comfortable framing, for example. Having, having too wide of a shot, you know, not be, you know, being a little timid and filling up the frame with the, with the person that's speaking so you can really see their expression and uh, that sort of thing. So, uh, you know, that's, those are re really basic starting points. And, um, you know, beyond that, you want to have the lighting is real important in that you want the subject to, to really stand out. And one way to do that is to make them a little brighter in the frame than the rest, whatever, the background or the foreground. Um, there probably isn't a foreground in an interview, but you want the person to stand out. And so, you know, the two ways to do that is with, with lighting and with focus. So you want them to be brighter. And uh, if you're using like a DSLR, for example, uh, you, you would have control of the focus. And so if you can get them in focus and the background out of focus a little bit, that helps. And then if they're, if they're nicely lit, just a little bit brighter than the background, um, you know, that goes a long way in making it look really professional. And a lot of that stuff is a matter of, of choices in the setup. So you don't necessarily have to spend a lot of money on lighting gear. You don't need to, uh, you know, have a lot of fancy lenses and stuff. But as long as you know what your camera will do and what the lenses will do, how to work them, you know, how to work them well, using a large iris, for example, to get the shallower depth of field or a little longer lens, you know, zoomed in a little bit to make the subject in focus and the background go out of focus. Um, that goes a long ways in, in controlling the scene, and that's what you're all about, is trying to control the picture. And another simple way is just positioning, so not putting the subject in, fr in front of a really bright wall or in front of a window, so, yeah. you know, I see that I see that kind of a mistake made a lot where people just put somebody right in front of a window right and all you're seeing is a silhouette right and so you know if you if you kind of are, are conscious of what you're trying to do and making the subject brighter than the background you know just that one little thought and you're like oh well I, you know the window is gonna be much brighter than the person so I won't do that um, you know the the cameras are really sophisticated these days a lot of them have uh, light meters built in or um, you know auto focusing and those sorts of things so again knowing what your camera will do and won't do is is really important so you can use your your spot meter to see what the brightness of the wall is for example versus the brightness of your subject and you know set up your shot so that you use maybe a, a different side of the rooms that doesn't have sunlight falling on it or maybe you use uh, um, window light for your subject. Put the subject nearer the window. You know, north light is a uh, is famously soft, wonderful light. You know, photographers and painters, you know, would would position their studios to have north light windows so that they would have this nice uh, soft light coming in. And and uh, so it's a it's a great light for portrait work. And if you can have north light on the subject and a darker background wall a darker color or something um, or some sort of backdrop perhaps if that's what's required you know some simple things can really make it look good and, it, and you don't have to spend a lot of money or have a lot of equipment so Chris 
for a lot of people, um, audio seems to be kind of an afterthought. <laughs> you know what I mean? So um, you've got a lot of experience recording audio, and we've worked together in some situations that were, you know, pretty noisy. But you've got the right microphones for the right jobs, and and so you're able to get uh, the, the voice recorded pretty well. But like for somebody who's just like we were talking with the video with Dan, for somebody maybe who's just starting out or they just are looking to uh, do a family project, what are some of the things you can tell them about what to do and what not to do? And the, like the kinds of microphones that uh, they might want to think about using. Yeah, I mean, you really want to try to get the best quality mic that you can, that your budget will allow. That'll, that'll help you uh, in a lot of situations. Um, but uh, regardless of what you're using, I think it's also placement. Um, you want to try to get it, and of course that's going to partially be dictated by the frame of the, of the shot it, itself, but um, you want to try to get that mic as tight in as to the subject as you can. Um, I always try to give the uh, editor an option, uh, so I always double mic my subjects if I can, meaning I'll put a, a lavalier mic on the subject and try to boom, uh, usually from above, um, to give that second option. Um, this also allows you the ability to if, if, you've, if you've got the subject mic'd, you've, you've always got uh, issues of clothing rustling or him or her uh, uh, inadvertently hitting the mic and causing issues that way. So it's always good, in my opinion, to have that backup mic, that boom mic set up so that uh, if you do encounter a, you know, a, a, a section of the sound bite that's being disturbed in one way or the other that boom is usually going to cover you and and, and it'll be a cleaner sound for you and um, so it's 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 really i think uh position of mic and also trying to control as best you can the the surroundings that you're shooting in because a lot of times you'll have you know some things that you can't control you know like planes flying overhead or uh, you know automobiles driving by um, if you're in, in an outdoor uh, setup um, so those things you just kind of have to either work around and, and either redo the question or you know if it's if it's low enough in the distance and the voices on top of it then usually you can let that go and just let it be as it is um, if you're indoors, you know, you've got to deal with air conditioning systems that sometimes you can shut off, sometimes you can't. Um, so you'll want to look to try to position the subject if you can um, away from vents. Um, if you can't, then try to somehow dampen the, the, that sound that's coming from it. Um, and then it's... Uh, also, I, I think in, you know, you'll have to work with how the camera shot is set up as well as, say, if you're in an outdoor uh, situation, um, 
and you hear if there's like a waterfall or water feature or something like that, again, something that you probably can't control and may not be able to get away from because the, so the shot requires you to be, you know, it just looks better in that where it's set up. Um, if you can, if you can, if you can see the, usually if you can see the sound, then the sound makes sense and you can let it go. But um, that's something you might want to consider also is. Right, because if you're, say, if you're in the situation where you're, you're talking about, if, you, if you're seeing the subject or the, the storyteller speaking and you see the water feature, then okay, it makes sense to hear the water. Exactly. But if, but if you're next to the water feature, but you don't see the water feature, where's that sound? That from? becomes a distraction. Yeah. I think one of the, you know, audio really seems like a mystery to a lot of people because you can't see it, you know, and you don't really know what's, what the problem is. Yeah. You know, there may be an issue, but I, I think something I've learned the hard way is uh, to always wear headphones. Yeah, yeah. That's really, um, really, really important and, and something that um, uh, not everybody will do until there's a problem. I've, I know a lot of people that re do a recording and there's no sound and they don't know that till they get back to the office or to the, to the studio and they just, they don't know why, they, there was a wrong setting, something got unplugged, the battery died, Who, you know, there's a million things, so. Always bring extra batteries. <laughs> what about, uh, you know, I think a lot of folks maybe uh, also, especially beginners, I would say, don't quite grasp the concept of why you shouldn't be using the microphone that's on the camera if you're using a, like a consumer camera that's got a built-in microphone. Right. Well, I mean, one, the, the quality isn't typically, it's, when they, when they make the camera, as you said, audio really isn't the, the focus of the camera. It's uh, the picture quality that, that that camera is giving you. So um, typically the, the mics that are on the camera are, just aren't going to be of the, the, the right quality. But it, it's also that the camera is going to be positioned so far away from your subject, typically, that that camera just, or that that uh, mic on the camera just isn't gonna isn't gonna work for you. So you really need to have that second, that primary source coming from a, you know, either a, a boom mic, shotgun mic, or uh, at the very least a, a lav on the physically on the on the subject. And you may move the camera, right? So then sure. you know the sound's not going to match from one shot. Exactly. To the other. Yeah. Now you mentioned a, a lot, just for those who, uh, folks who are, and I know you mentioned a boom earlier, could you, could you just kind of describe the basic characteristics of those mics or just what is a lav or a lavalier and what's yeah. a boom mic? Well, a lavalier is, is a, um, just a smaller mic that actually attaches using various clips that's placed directly on the, on the body of the subject and, and uh, usually right, right below the, um, the chin, you know, um, like what people will see on a newscast. Yeah, exactly. Uh, sometimes, yeah, sometimes it's off to the side. Um, usually if you place it in the middle, that's a little safer position, uh, just because your subject may turn their head one way or the other. And so if it's centered, at least it's, it's going to be, uh, more on axis. Um, and you won't notice that, uh, that change of, of level. Uh, when they turn their head. Um, 
And the boom, again, you'll want it positioned in a central location, either above or below the head, usually above um, because of the frame. And those are those longer mics that people will see. They're yes. kind of directional. So More directional. Them, yeah. um, and uh, in, in, well, I was going to say in, uh, usually a better quality sound, but that's, that's not always necessarily the case either. Um, I find that whether it's the lav or the boom, it, it's really the situation that, uh, and the location that you're in can make a big difference as far as what the, the sound quality can be. Also, the individual itself that you're, that you're getting sound from, that subject, you know, whether they're a soft speaker or they have a real loud or booming voice, those all, um, you know, have different qualities coming through that mic. Um, again, which is another reason why I like to give the editor an option of one or the other because, um, you know, they may, and what, I, what sounds good to me, you know, the editor may find, you know, the opposite. So um, I think it's just always good to have a, uh, an option for them to use. What, uh, how much of the time, uh, referring to uh, going back to the lavaliers, how much of the time do you find yourself trying to hide them or versus just keeping them out in the open? Well, I mean, it, just from an audio you know, standpoint, from, from my personal standpoint, uh, it's always easier to have the mic on the outside because once you put it behind fabric, you're dealing with the possibility of clothes rustling and brushing against it. Um, it also is going to change the, the quality of the sound. You know, it'll, sometimes you, it, you, it, it, feels, it feels like it's buried. So when you, when you bury the mic, the, the sound is going to not be as clean and as crisp as if it's on the outside. But um, depending on what your preference is or, or you know, some people don't mind seeing the mic. Some people find it as a, a distraction. Um, uh, some just, I guess, want it hidden to have more of a natural, clean look. Um, so, but there's, you know, there's ways around. Uh, if you do have to hide the mic, there's usually ways around to avoiding the. Uh, the rustling sound you know it's it's always good to have different types of mounting you know whether it's a clip or a, uh, a tie clip or a vampire clip or you know there's uh, using moleskin um, uh, usually if, if you have the option of having the person come in with um, different types of clothing you know that you can choose from and, and uh, not only to see if it works for the camera, but also if it's a softer fabric as opposed to uh, a fabric that's really stiff or, or, you know, or a silk that can be noisy, you know, it's, it's good if you can bring your subject in with uh, clothing options to kind of help you work around those issues. Okay, that's great. I wanted to mention too, one thing we, we usually do on, on the video biography shoots, and I, I know you guys probably do it most of the time. Um, on your other shoots regarding audio is recording uh, what we call nat sound or natural sound uh, wherever you're 
you're in in a location. Uh, even if it's a quiet room, you know, those rooms have a sound, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we call it room tones sometimes. Um, yeah, it's amazing um, the sounds that are there that you don't realize are there until you actually sit and listen to it. Um, so what do, you, what do you actually do with room tone once you record it? Why do you, why do you record room tone if nobody's talking? I find room tone really invaluable because uh, when you're in the, in the editing process, quite often you're making cuts in, in the interview and you might need to insert a pause, for instance, or maybe there's a cough and you just want to kind of edit out the little cough or something. And uh, if, you, if you just erase the audio, uh, you'll hear it in the track. It'll go dead because there's that constant sound of the room, the ambience of the room. It could be, like Chris was saying, just about anything. There could be just the motion of the air through the room or a clock ticking in the background or anything like that. And you'll, believe it or not, when you when you make that edit, when you erase that audio, you'll actually hear that, that just kind of a dead sound. And, and so having that little bit of room tone uh, to insert there, instead of just erasing, just inserting that room tone over the cough or inserting that room tone to make a pause, um, then you'll have a continuous background sound and, and it, 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 uh, then the audience really won't know an edit was made. And, and do you find that to be the case, Dan? Do you use room tone in your editing? Uh, yeah, a lot of times I, I, I'm, always, I'm looking for just that one uh, quiet section when I don't... Uh, when I forgot to record room tone or uh, whatever, yeah. so, and you'd be surprised at how hard it is to find that sometimes. Three seconds of yeah. silence yeah. Uh, in a situation where I've been in that situation too. People, you know, somebody's always yakking in the background, and you just you just really want that quiet sound. Yeah, yeah. And even outdoors. I mean, if you're if you're shooting an interview outdoors, you might not have the consistency of sound, let's say, in a contained room, but you've got just the natural sound that's going on and you can often uh, layer that in you know and use that as well if you need to make a cut so at least you've got that sound from the environment in which you're doing the doing the recording I think that so that's that I found that that helps as well and uh, I don't know anything else guys any any other any other uh, tips or observations about recording interviews uh, well, um, go, go for it. No, I, I did, you know, we didn't really talk about adding lights, you know. Oh, I, yeah, let's I, talk. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know how, you know, what a kit looks like for a, a biographer, your typical family biographer. I don't know. You know, all this gear is expensive. And if you are very casual, you might only have a camera and a tripod, you know. Um, and then as you get more into it, or maybe some of the people are, are actually, you know, uh, making an income of some sort, part-time or full-time with it. And then as that happens, they add to their kit. So Yeah, um, I, I would think that would get a call for a little study up on lighting. I think people should, uh, like we were talking about earlier with some of the earlier tips, they, they should at least know some principles, some basic lighting principles. I know... Uh, uh, Lowell Lighting has a good tutorial on, on their website, so you can see what happens when you add a right. key light and a backlight and things like that. And, um, and I've, I used, I experimented years ago 
when I was creating the producer's guide with just buying work lights, you know, from right. uh, you know, you could go to Home Depot or Lowe's and buy a like a clamp-on light or something like that, and get a white card of some kind to bounce it into, and you you can kind of create a light if you're only doing this once in a blue moon with your family, and then right, and then if you need to, you can look at more professional lights. Yeah, so I mean, it's I guess it's like anything, um, especially now with like YouTube. I'm sure there's tutorials on there on, on how to light and, and all that and you know a little bit of in, information goes a long way so if um, as I said some people are just doing this on a weekend they're gonna they're gonna be at an event a family event and they're gonna do one interview and that's gonna be it and others are gonna do more so you know the more into it you are I would say the more information you can gather sure. on YouTube or, or reading books or if anybody does that anymore you could uh, <laughs> You know, a lot of that theory is um, transferable. So once you learn how the professionals do it, then you can kind of scale it back and, and copy them. Maybe not on as grand a scale, but like you say, you're getting a work light from Home Depot and using a white bounce card. That light is going to look no different than what they do in Hollywood. It really isn't. It's just a matter of knowing where to put it and, and how to assemble it. Right. So. You don't get burned. You don't start a fire. <laughs> but you know the the light falls where you need it, and um, you know so a, a lot of that um, how to uh, is based on you know a little bit of knowledge. In the same way, like if you have a camera and and a tripod and that's it, then it's a matter of positioning the people in a in a location that. Uh, the lighting is flattering. It's not all overhead light, and they have shadows on their under their eyes. And you know, if you only have a camera mic, then by all means shoot the interview, but move, get the camera a little closer, you know, and don't touch the camera so there's no right. handling noise on the camera, that sort of thing. But I think that's that's a good point. Learn the basics, and then you can apply it. Uh, even even if your only light source is uh, the living room window, then at least you know how. You can position somebody to catch the light that will key them and maybe get a card to bounce some of it in to fill. And right. Just and keeping in mind that the sun is a moving thing. Oh, well, yeah, <laughs> you good know, point. So yeah. If, if you're going to be doing a long interview and you're depending on the sun, aware that that angle is going to change versus having you know your own light there that's going to stay in one place. Right. And I've always found that out, trying to make somebody look good outdoors, if you're doing an interview outdoors, which, you know, summer's coming up and family picnics and such that might be the case but it's it's really harder I think to or it takes more equipment in a professional setting to to do a nice outdoor scene interview than to to do it indoors because the fact that the sun is moving throughout the day the clouds are coming in and going out the, sure. yeah, the clouds sun is are another thing yeah. very bright yeah. and it's really hard to overcome that so the background is going to be very bright probably you know unless you can you know you shoot uh, shoot toward the sun, you know, in, in other words, so the shadow, you're shooting into the shadows, that, that might be one way to, to do it. But um, I, I think the other thing is to be aware of uh, the surroundings, aware of, you know, learning uh, critiquing. That's one thing I learned when I, I took a photography class after I was doing this professionally. and, and um, it was, it was interesting in that one of our exercises was critiquing. So 
we were all beginner. I was taking a beginner black and white photography class because I knew video. I had been doing video, but I didn't really know a lot of the basic stuff. So I took a, a black and white still photography class at a community college. And, you know, one of the exercises we did was, you know, you go out and you shoot, you get an assignment and go shoot a portrait or go shoot a landscape, go shoot a something and come back. And then everybody would print their work and then we'd re critique it what's good about it what's bad about it and it really forced you to um, to look at the photograph and you'd say well what's good about this portrait what's bad about it and some of that is subjective there may not be anything good and, or something bad you know what somebody might say well the person's ugly or whatever or the lighting's bad but you know is it bad or is it just contrasting yeah. is it just high key is it this or is it that or just not to your taste that's right so it's not necessarily right or wrong but it made you look at it and say what is it about this portrait or landscape that I like what is it about it that is annoying to me or I don't care for or boring or you know how and, and then take that and then apply it to your you know when you're framing the shot when you're setting up the lighting you know, I like I like more contrasty shots. I like more well lit shots. You know, flatter. You know, whatever, however you describe it, high key. I like a shot that looks like this or like that. And um, another thing that you know, you'd say, you know, this person maybe doesn't look their best in this. And and when you look at it, you say, why is that? Why why is this not a flattering light? And and it's like, well, there's a lot of shadows. Well, where are those shadows coming from? Well, the wrinkles in the face. Well, okay, so you're using a harsh light that's casting a shadow that's that's ex accentuating the wrinkles. You know, for example, because typically they're they're older subjects. You know, um, so you know, how can I avoid that? How can I make the person look younger or not as old? or not as bad, however you want to describe it, um, you know, well, don't use a hard, as harsh a light. Use a softer light, and, and the wrinkles won't be as pronounced, and the person will look better, you know? Maybe the person will look younger, but I don't know. Is that better, or is that not better? So, um, but, but the idea is that you would, you, you observe stuff. You go, when you go into a room, when you're going to do an interview, you go in the room and you listen. Is the air conditioner on? Do I hear the refrigerator? Do I hear a clock ticking? And if so, can I turn that off? You know, a lot of the pro sound guys, for example, will go into a house. If we're, uh, for example, if we're doing an interview in a person's house, and we'll want to unplug the refrigerator, they'll take their car keys and they'll put them in the refrigerator, <laughs> so you don't forget so that they that. don't forget to plug it back in. But they will unplug the refrigerator. Uh, so that we don't hear that motor going on and going off. Sure. And so it's, it maybe isn't annoying when it's on, and it's better when it's off, but if it goes off and on in the middle of the interview and you are editing, and it's on in one sentence and off in the next, then, you, then it becomes really apparent. So, and if, especially if it's going on and off like that. So. Which is when you record room tone with right. it on and off, and right. off so yeah. that you yeah. give the editor that ability to to use it but some of that stuff is just um, you know going in and, and, and observing and looking at what the light is and what the background is and and you know is that a pleasant background or could I could I make it a better background maybe it needs to be plainer not as busy 
maybe it needs to have something more interesting in the background so it's not as plain. You know, those it's, it's not like this is good and that's bad and this is right and that's wrong. It just isn't. It's like I choose to have something about the person in the background. I'm going to use his trophy in the background or I want just a plain wall so I'm just really listening to what they're saying and that those are just choices that you make and and uh, and style you know stylistic things that with experience um, as you become more experienced you are more aware of of the end result and as you become more aware of that you're in more in control of it so and that's really the goal is to be in control of the light and the sound and the responses and the good part and the bad part the noises and the and the answers you want to be in control of the subject you know um, so that you get them to say what like I don't I could never do my mother's interview I mean she just wouldn't she'd be like, oh I don't have anything to say oh I'm not gonna and I've tried I said you know we should do an interview and, and all these great stories about these people I've never met that you from the old neighborhood and she'll be like oh you know I can't remember this but then there was the at the time and I'd like to tell that story but I can never remember you know, and she'll go and tell the story, and it's like, well, let's record that. Oh no, I don't want to be on camera. <laughs> but anyways, um, being in, being able to control that, you know, you're really good at that. In in um, and, and and that's the sort of stuff that doesn't just happen the day of the interview. Oh sure. You know, you you are in control of the interview because you know what the story should be, and mm-hmm. you've done a pre-interview, and you know how you're going to connect the pieces, connect the dots. You know where you're going. And all of that stuff just comes from experience. Sure. I mean, and, and having, having done it and having done interviews and not gotten the right response and mm-hmm. not having that connecting sentence. And then the next time you go, I'm going to be sure to ask them about this so that I can, you know. So a lot of it is experience, but being conscious of what what you're doing, what the problem, you know, what you're trying to do, what the problems are going to be, how you're going to overcome them and all of that. So that... You know, the, and those are again. Um, I, I, a lot of that consciousness for me came from from that that photography 101 in critiquing, and then so I, I can watch TV now or movies or whatever, and I say, you know, I noticed some lighting there. I noticed that in the background this thing was lit or not lit, or and I'm, I'm like, I can copy that. I can make. I can try that next time. Um, I'm in a situation where I have a window in the background, and I want it to. I want to use it, or I want it to be there and how I'm going to make that happen. So uh, it, it's a process and it's never, you know, up at NAB, we get these, I, I, I see these big pros, these guys that do Hollywood yeah. movies. And that's National Association of Broadcasters. So. Right. And it's a, a big convention and they, you know, all the companies bring in these guys that use their equipment and, you know, Canon lenses and Canon cameras and Sony and Adobe and they all have... Um, you know, it's a big convention, and they, they tell stories about the last project they worked on and this and that, and the directors and so on. Um, but they all say that, that, you know, you hear it over and over, it's a process. They, they haven't arrived. These, guys, these are guys that are working on movies that, that you go to the theater to watch. These are Hollywood A-list directors. And they tell you, you know, it's, it's a process. I'm sure. still learning. I'm... I'm figuring it out. Here's something I learned on the last job. Great. I think that's, uh, that's, that's some great information. Any, anything else, Chris? Well, or? I would just say uh, a couple of things, and they're kind of uh, related to each other. Is um, When doing sound uh, and you're 
you're interviewing somebody as an audio person you want to try to just let let them speak um, organically and let things come out and try not to intrude on what's being said um, what 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 I mean by that is uh, I, I hardly ever stop somebody from saying something because of something that I'm hearing in the background I usually try to let them finish their thought and and then ask them if it's appropriate at the is if they can if we can kind of readdress that question and kind of get try to get that sound bite again uh, at a cleaner uh, um, recording um, but I try not to like cut into their their thought because a lot of people um, they start thinking they start thinking about what I'm hearing and, or possibly hearing so they start editing themselves and it starts getting into their head and so they or they get self-conscious exactly yeah. and, and, um, and 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 for me the what I'm hearing on the recording a lot of times it's I'm hearing everything and when the, it gets to the editor it's amazing what the editing can bring out and take away from that it, it isn't an issue so I would rather them have that sound bite with that background sound and again give that editor the option of being able to try to take that background sound out and, and, and maintain that that sound bite if it's a, a good quality sound bite that they want um, so I, I try not to 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 cut into the to the interviews speaking, and and that kind of also leads into my second kind of tip or observation is that you have to, as a sound person or producer, director, camera person, who's you have to kind of be conscious of the person that you're interviewing and what state of mind they're in or what their personality is like. Um, is this somebody that is going to be rattled by constantly stopping, starting? Somebody who's nervous sitting in the chair to begin with. You want to try to keep them as calm and, and you know, not, not stressed out about the situation. Um, and so, there's times when you have to kind of edit yourself as a sound person and say, is it really worth me stopping them or having them repeat it again because, you know, maybe it's an emotional thing that they're speaking about and you don't want to, you want to be the fly on the wall. You don't want to enter into their their thought process or, or uh, intrude on um, what they're speaking about. So as a sound person, for me, I rarely say anything. Um, you know, I, my job is to listen, not to, not to speak or, 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 you know, I, that's the, that's the, that's the director's yep. uh, or producer's position. But you want to you want to assess the kind of the situation and and edit whether or not 
it's something that's worth, um, you know, getting involved in, I guess. So. Yeah, well, I think you make a valuable point, too, about being conscious of the, uh, the subject or the storyteller's state of mind or emotional well-being. Um, because that's 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 very very crucial, and, and uh, I I think that's one of the things I think uh, I I pride our uh, family legacy video on is that we you know we take great care in creating what I call a, you know just a safe space, a comfortable space, so uh, so whoever we're interviewing, you know feels very comfortable expressing whatever it is they need to express, and they know that if there's somewhere they don't want to go, I'm not, we're certainly not going to force them to go there. So. Uh, yeah, I think that's that's really really uh, uh, important uh, for folks who are just starting out on this. And uh, well, I think that's about it. Good for you, Chris. Good yeah. for you, Dan. Yeah, you bet. All right. Well, thanks, guys. We're gonna keep on driving. And uh, <laughs> thanks for uh, thanks for having this chat with me. I appreciate it. That's it for this segment of the Legacy Video Lounge. If you have any questions or comments please email them to me at steve at familylegacyvideo.com. And if you like the podcast, I invite you to subscribe. Until next time, I'm Steve Pender reminding you that everyone has a story. Isn't it time you told yours? Music